And, and again, uh, indeed, our hope is in you, Jesus. And we, we gather every Sunday to, to remember that, to recount that, to encourage one another. We, we gather every Sunday to hear, indeed, to be guided by His truth. Uh, to, to hear from God what truly is the story of our life. And to correct the false stories and the lies that we're bombarded with everywhere else that we go. As, as we've been walking through Ephesians and talking about how God has presented to us His game plan, you know, that, that God's sort of like the coach and we're the team, and that He gives to us His, his wisdom, imparts to us His wisdom to send us out into the world. It's really like a practice. You know, like a practice for an instrument or a practice for an athletic event. You know, that, that you practice. A, a number of you are doing that if you're in fall sports now. You know, you're running, you're lifting weights, you're, you're building your endurance, you're building your strength, and you're repeating the same thing over and over again so as to develop a habit so that when you're in the heat of the game, you will make the right play. And that's what we gather for, to, in a sense, to be in a practice, to, uh, to practice over and over again praise to God, thanksgiving to God, submission to one another, to encourage one another. We practice that together so that when we go out into the playing field, it is our very nature that we play according to this story, not according to to the stories of the world. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, indeed, you are our hope. Guide us into the ways of your truth. We give ourselves to you. Speak to us. Open our hearts. Open our eyes, our ears, our very souls, so that we might hear and follow you. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Our passage is in Ephesians 5, chapter 15, or chapter 5, verse 15. It's on 952 in your pew Bible, or it'll be on the uh, screen. I'm going to read through verse 21. Um, I think grammatically it actually fits in with both the the paragraph I'm going to read and the following paragraph. Um, And and grammatically that's the case, and I'll speak to that in in a little bit. So that's why... Decided to include that in this reading. Hear hear the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5 starting with verse 15. Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, practice is a really good thing because practice can prepare you and warn you for dangers ahead. Remember uh, practicing punt coverage. Some of you have doubted that I played football and I've cleaned out some uh, uh, boxes, some of the last boxes that we, you know, have been here two years, eight months. We finally cleaned out the last boxes and I've got a plaque of my football team and I'm on there and this is even the one that's the state championship one. So I'm going to bring that one just to prove those of you doubters. And uh, I played uh, on the punt coverage team. And uh, one time early on in uh, the high school football career, you know, I, we were, uh, it was a fun to play on the punt coverage team. That's when the guy gets the long hike and he kicks the ball in the air, for those of you that don't know, and the other team then catches it and gets to run it back. You know, being offensive linemen, you, there weren't many glory days when you're in just that big bunch of people in the middle. You didn't get the ball very much. You didn't tackle anybody or anything like that. Well, this was sort of the chance to shine because you could run down the field. After you blocked your guy and the punt goes, then you can run down the field. And you have your eyes set, you know. Your mind is set on absolutely dismembering the guy when he catches the ball. Football is not a gentle game. Sorry for all of you mothers that have boys playing football now. It's not a gentle game. And so I was running down one punt coverage and the ball was in the air and I was like right under it. And I'm like, this is great. So I'm running down the field, just timing when that ball is going to hit. And I'm running down the field like a sitting duck because there are people on the other side who are trying to dismember me. And you know, and if you're running down the field like this, Looking up at a ball, you are just wide open for somebody to come and clean your clock. And that is what happened on this particular practice. And he lit into me and I went flying the other direction from which I came. And when I woke up, the coach was yelling and screaming, Wow, great hit to whoever it was that hit me. And I'm like, I'm not in Kansas anymore or something. (laughs) And then he finally comes up to me. And what did you learn? Uh, Maybe I don't want to play punt coverage. Now keep your eyes on the field. There are people out there who are wanting to dismember you. Glance at the ball, but then keep your eyes on the field. That's what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus and what he's telling us. And it's really important for many of us, like me, who have grown up in an affluent lifestyle, where you never really worried about housing and clothing and food. It's easy to get lulled into, ah, life is good. In which, indeed, life is good in Christ. And the creation itself is good at the beginning. But we know the story that there was day two of creation where what was good then became broken and evil entered into the scene and evil still now lurks around us ready to dismember us. 
And we gather to practice, to say, keep your eyes on the field. Be alert for the sin within you. For the the ways of the world that might seem good to you, but are not the ways of Jesus. And be alert for an evil one who is at work, ready to knock you off your path of following Jesus. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In our world largely lives in Paul's day and in our day. Largely lives according to the ways of self, profit, and pleasure. Richard Foster called it money, sex, and power. John, Apostle John, calls it sin, the world, and the devil. But this life in which we live is not a nice little lazy river ride sitting on the inner tube, flowing with the water. It is one where we regularly swim against the grain of the ways of evil, pursuing and living out the ways of Jesus. Now, we know the messages, don't worry, this is not going to be a sermon about the evils of rock music or the evils of Facebook. Because those are not in and of themselves evil. Messages of evil can be portrayed on a pipe organ, a juice harp, or on a little sheet of paper. So can messages of truth. But our point, what we hear from Paul, is remember, there are messages of evil all around you. There are forces of evil all around you. Come back to the wisdom of God. Be a person of understanding of the truth of God. Don't be so arrogant to think that you can fight it on your own. Come to God and to God's written word for wisdom and to God's people because we are in a battle. Now, some of you may think about, visualize that story of punt coverage and say, you know, the wisest thing to do, any smart person would get off the field and hang up the helmet and just walk around the field. That would avoid it altogether. And maybe that's the case for that one. But that also would be the temptation for life, wouldn't it? I mean, let's just avoid the evil. Let's build bigger walls. Let's just stay in our prayer groups. Let's just study the Bible in here and get it right. That's why Paul then moves to alcohol. It's sort of odd you know, that he makes this general statement about the evil out there and, and then the, the wisdom of God and says, so now don't get drunk with wine. Huh. 
don't get drunk with wine. And it's not just the passage to say, huh, he said don't get drunk with wine, but he didn't say don't drink it. So for all wine drinkers, this is their favorite passage. (laughs) That's not his point. Because what is wine? What is to get drunk with wine, to be inebriated, to be under the influence of wine? It is, especially in Paul's day, escape. Let's escape evil. Let's run from it. I mean, the wise thing to do is to run from the evil that's around us. Let's not engage it. Let's just inebriate ourselves. Let's, be, let's, let's lose control of ourselves. That's what debauchery is. It's not that it's some evil, bad thing. You're a bad person if you do that. Debauchery means to act without fear of consequence of your action. Great picture of what being drunk is. That you don't think, you don't live in wisdom, you live in foolishness. So don't try to escape the evil that is around you. Instead, walk into it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know today that you know, where many of us face the troubles and evils of our day. Uh, we, we face the things like a rising, a record high unemployment, uh, jobless claims, record high foreclosures. And we see that around us. And we face it ourselves. Did you know what other record we set in the state of Ohio? Alcohol sales. The highest ever. The last 12 months, for many 12-month period. Huh? Because as the evil surrounds us, the natural inclination is to escape. Now, we Christian Americans have become really creative in our escape message. I, I mean, I, I get lost. I escape by pouring myself into work or pouring myself into pleasure. And I see it around us, folks that get addicted not just to work or pleasure, they get addicted to anger or they get addicted to fear. And what Paul is calling us to is to be addicted to the Spirit, to relinquish control to the Spirit. It's as we gather in the power of the Spirit, it is practicing trust. It is practicing surrender. It is learning that from one another. Again, back to the the, the playing field. When When you're a quarterback... You know, and you're 180 pounds. Don't worry, I never played quarterback. When you're a quarterback and you're 200 pounds, you need to practice and develop trust for that line of people around you that are trying to hold out the vicious animals who are wanting to dismember you as you're trying to look over the field and throw the ball exactly where it needs to go. Practice is that place where you build trust so that with confidence you can be in the pocket And you build trust in your receivers and that you know they're going to run exactly where you're about to throw the ball because you can't throw the ball where they are because if you throw it there, when it gets there, they aren't there. You have to build trust in your team. When we gather, we are building trust that the Holy Spirit will control us. He will take us to a place that is good. He indeed does have our best interests at heart. I want to just camp out on this passage just a little bit. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, notice it's a command first. 
It's probably the most significant command, I would say, in the full of Ephesians. It has that sense. This is sort of the pinnacle place. Builds up to it and builds after it. The part of the, the second part of Ephesians. It builds up to it and then builds after it. It's a command. It's not a gift. You know, we, we think of the gifts of the Spirit where God gives us gifts and then takes them away. We have them for a time or we don't have them for a time. This is a command. This is God saying, no, be controlled by the Spirit all the time. It's also important that it's a present command. There, in the Greek, there's things, there's commands that are punctiliar, which mean in a certain point in time, you do it once. You know, like conversion. You convert once. You repent once. You repent. Do it now to follow Jesus in a general way. But this is a present command. It's be being filled by the Holy Spirit. Someone came to me after the first service. Yeah, we're always being filled by the Holy Spirit because we leak. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. It's a command and it's a present command. And notice this. It's passive. Be filled. Let God fill you. It is a command to relinquish control of your lives to God. It is a command to relinquish control of your lives to God. And it's for everyone. It's plural. Now, stop right now. And I just want, if somebody's asleep next to you, wake them up. If somebody's on the phone texting, you know, tell them to put the phone down. And yes, I look at specific places when I say that. If someone has, is of the generation where they got a little piece of paper out and it's got a calendar on it, that's where people used to write notes for calendars, tell them to put that up and put it in their pocket. If your mind right now is planning lunch because you forgot to put the roast in the oven, forget it. Wherever you might be, everybody be here right now. No calendar, no prep, no, no notes. Now, some of you, I know doodle and that really helps you. I don't get that, but I understand it and I believe you. So feel free to do that. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to control you today? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to control you today? Now I know inside there can be all kinds of meanderings and workings of self-justification and hiding and running or maybe celebrating for those of you that did. Whatever it is, don't, again, don't run from it. Be real with God. God's seeing it, He's hearing it, He knew it was happening before you did. Just be real with Him. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to control you today? If yes, then celebrate, give thanks that God has placed that faith within you. If not, why not? Maybe, as I reflected on that question for me, One of them is simply just, I get stuck. I get in a rut. 
just take for granted. Again, it's something that's relatively easy to do in affluence, to take for granted salvation in Christ and being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit and the provision of God for the very breath of my body and soul. Just get stuck. It's like my friend, deceased now, Frank Deese, who just had to learn how to be romantic a little bit. And so his, his frequent response to his wife, Helen, when Helen would say, Frank, I love you, he would say, Helen, I told you I loved you at the altar, and if it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> do we do that with God? Are we stuck, you know? I gave my life to Jesus on this date, this time, this place. Praise the Lord. Well, the question that Jesus asks is never when did you, but are you today giving yourself to the Holy Spirit? Another reason that I don't is because I'm scared. What's God going to have me do or say? You know, is one of these, these days... What, what is God going to want me to do? Where is He going to want me to go? Yeah, it's really because I truly don't believe that God has my best interest at heart. In other times, it's just simply arrogance. Yeah, I know what I want. And I don't want God messing with it. You know? I know what I want. I got my dreams before me. And, and I want this dream. And God might take that dream away. Again, it gets to is God really want what is best for me? Does God truly love me? The other reason I don't ask God is because I'm impatient. And I know as sure as I ask God for something... God's going to say, I will do that in my time. And for God, a thousand days is a year, or a year is a thousand, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. And I know the thing I want to happen today, God's going to put on his thousand year plan. And the thing that I want to happen in a thousand years, God's going to put on his today plan. So I don't want to give it to God because it's then going to be in God's timing. Where are you? Where are you? What? For those of you that today it, it's not one that you've asked and maybe you can't even remember the time you said, Holy Spirit, take control of me. Fill me. Why not? And some of you may be, okay, all right, well, how? Well, you know, there's no magic pill here. No magic words. No secret prayer or specific actions. This is really about our heart. It's about your heart. It's about laying it out before God. It's about us coming together and helping one another practice trusting God. So I don't want to jump to a list of ten things to do because we will jump to the list and forget the heart.
But for some of you, it's just too ephemeral. It's too out there. You need something concrete. Well, how do we practice this? Well, I think that's where Paul then continues. Every time that we gather as worshiping community of Jesus followers, we practice being filled with the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit. It is both a result of being controlled by the Spirit and a cause of. It comes before and after. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's almost like that's a bullet list. It's that it, where the clauses, the, the command is be filled with the Spirit, and then it gives you like three bullets. Practice being filled with the Spirit. Practice living the life of praise, thanksgiving, and submission as you gather together. We, we gather together. We sing songs with one another to practice, to encourage one another that God is indeed good. There is indeed nobody else like God. That's just not a nice song to clap to. And it is truly the words that are flowing out of our heart. Or we desire it to be. And so we practice by singing every time. And there's something about singing. Why Paul means it here, brings it up here. Why it's been true through the believing community since its beginning. That we sing because there is something that goes beyond the head to the heart to the soul when we sing together. And we are singing together to indeed encourage one another. And not only are we singing together, but we are singing to the Lord in our hearts. Each one of us. Did you? When we were singing the songs together, that indeed there is nobody like God, were you in your heart singing to God? If you weren't, that's okay. We're going to sing another song. Sing that one to God. And remember that every time that we sing, it is that we are gathered to sing so that we are singing out of our heart into the face of Jesus together. We are practicing our praise we are reminded to give thanks. We, we, again, remind ourselves of the goodness of God over and over again so that gratitude becomes the air that we breathe. It becomes the way that we live. It is, you know, it is not that we're thankful for evil, but as we walk through the valley of evil, we will fear the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Matter of fact, we will live in thanksgiving to God because we practice it here. We practice here that we are thankful for the goodness of God no matter what the circumstances. We celebrate Jesus no matter our circumstances. We practice thanksgiving and we practice even submission to one another. Now, we see that it's great to practice that as we become a more diverse community with different desires, different interests different modes of, uh, that, uh, that are our heart language. I love, that's why I love for, told Jackie, Jackie, you pray in the language that best enables you to communicate to God because you're, commu- you're talking to God when you're praying. You're not talking to us. 
And, and we trust that God is answering your prayers in us beyond our cognitive ability to understand the words. We gather to sing praise to God out of our hearts, to encourage one another, to remember our story of thanksgiving, and to, to celebrate to our, our willingness to serve one another. You know, that, that as we gather, our goal is that each person will connect with 75%. But there's no way for everybody to connect with 100%. We're not in heaven yet. But for everybody to connect with 75%. And, and so if it's less than 75%, then hey, we're not helping you practice and we need to hear that. And, and that's, that's good to know. But if it's at 75%, that's great. And we will experience things together where you'll, we will be invited to do different things because for some that helps them practice praise and thanksgiving. And so our submission to one another is that doesn't do anything for me, but I praise the Lord that it does for them. So it's always, when we're invited to do things, remember this, I've shared this with you before, but none must, some will, all may. None must. Some will. All may. As we're invited to practice praise, thanksgiving, by even submitting to one another. The field, the, the field that is before us is indeed out there. And it's filled with the ways of evil who are at work ready to clean our clock. And we gather here in order to practice being filled, being controlled by the Spirit. We practice praise, thanksgiving, and submission. I encourage you this week to take up two-a-days. It's another form of practice. We used to take two-a-days. We'd take them in August. One, because school was out. And also because in Alabama, August was dog days of summer. I mean, we had ten days during two-a-days where it reached over 100 degrees every day. And so we took two-a-days to gather in the morning and in the evening, not in the heat of the day. So that we wouldn't be in the heat of the day to practice. Well, I encourage you to take two days. When are two times a day? When you're not in the heat of the day, but you for a moment can simply pray, God, fill me with your spirit. Control me with your spirit. Do what you need to. Uh, put it on Facebook. Uh, Twitter yourself. Uh, send yourself an email. Put it on the you know, for those of you that still have them, write it on your day timer for every day this week. Put it on your bathroom mirror. For, for me, that the season of waking up and going to bed are the times that are just natural for me to say, all right, God, fill me with your spirit this day. Fill me with your spirit this night. And taking time at night to reflect. How were you filling me? How were you controlling me? And sometimes when I'm really industrious, you know, really getting extra credit for heaven, huh? I have a journal and I write it down. 
just two times a day this week. Be in the, the habit of practice by asking God to control you in the power of His Spirit. Amen. Let's uh, pray together.